Hey, hey, and welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we have got a lot going on in the Big Ten to talk about. We've already got some people in the comments section. Jackson Johnson, what's up, Big Ten Nation? What's up, Jackson? And Brad P says, go Lionize. So that's your guy there, Sonny. He's right there with you. So uh, we are going to have a great show today. It is me, yours truly, the Ohio State fan, the sad Ohio State fan. I wouldn't wish my existence upon any of you. Uh, enjoy your good teams. I only hope to have a good team someday. Uh, and then, of course, we have Frank from the Boiler Express podcast, Purdue Man himself, and Sonny, the Illini cast, Illini Man, here to join us. Let's go ahead and let these guys introduce themselves, tell you where you can find them at. Frank, why don't you start us off? Yeah, name's Frank, uh, a.k.a. Uh, at the underscore stat underscore tank on Twitter. Uh, for what was formerly known as Twitter, you can find our podcast at Boiler underscore Express on pretty much every social media platform. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're on YouTube. Um, definitely come check us out covering uh, all things Purdue, basketball, football, and as of lately, hockey. So um, excited to be here, JR, and talk some ball with you. Very good. Yeah, hockey. That's interesting. Uh, I don't think I'll be doing a Big Ten hockey podcast anytime soon, but uh, more power to anybody who does. That's a... <laughs> Good for them. Uh, Sonny, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell people where they can find you at. I'm jealous, actually. Like I always say, if I ever get a few money, I'm going to self-fund a hockey program for the University of Illinois. I just love the sport so much. And it's uh, the state of Illinois produces so much hockey talent. It boggles my mind that the university doesn't have a program themselves. But uh, thank you, JR, for letting me come on today. Uh, most of you know me from uh, Illini Cast. It's uh, an Illinois-based uh, podcast. We have a couple episodes every week uh, talking usually men's basketball, men's football, whatever is in season. Uh, you can also find me at Big Ten Show, where we're growing at a pretty rapid pace right now. And that's more of a, if you're a fan of whatever team, uh, we try to uh, sit down and talk to one expert every single week. And uh, Frank, we actually have one of Frank's partners uh, as going to be a co-host, I believe, next Sunday. Uh, so if you're a Purdue fan, uh, follow us and uh, we'll be talking some Purdue. Very good. Yes. Uh, and we got Russ here. Is that the, is that your Purdue? Yeah, expert, that's our Russ boy, there? Russ. I'll there see you next week. He says boiler up. This is going to be good. Yes, it is. We are excited to do this. Let's uh, go. Oh, before we do that, please do like and subscribe. We appreciate that. If you're listening on podcasts, subscribe there. Give us a rating. That helps as well. And this podcast is brought to you by Big Banter Sports, BigBanterSports.com. You can go there for all your Big Ten media needs. Check them out. Good resources. Uh, podcast for every team in the Big Ten. Uh, just growing Big Ten media because the more we have, the better. And the more we can defeat those stupid SEC guys that nobody really likes so because they have a lot of media we need to compete with them so all right let's move on to our first game sunny your guys 70 to 62 illinois beats indiana was not quite the performance that i think some illinois fans wanted i think illinois fans are still pretty optimistic from this from what i'm hearing and i don't i don't blame them for that. Uh, Indiana was minus Kalel Ware, but Malik Renew is a really good player. McKenzie Mbaka is coming into his game a little bit more. Xavier Johnson, he was crazy, but he played better in this game. So uh, I don't think there's any shame in it being a, a bit of a close game this time. Uh, but Illinois obviously comes out with the win, remains uh, doing well in the conference. Sonny, what were your thoughts on the game? You know, to kind of piggyback up what you were saying, it's it's funny, I've been listening to national media podcast accounts and the difference of like opinion of where Illinois is right now 
is vastly different. The national media is kind of in panic mode. And, you know, uh, I'm sure we're about to talk about it right now. Is the team better without Shannon? Uh, is this Underwood's teams all over again, et cetera, et cetera? I'm not in that boat uh, whatsoever. It's like the game is much closer than it should have been, but there's a lot of factors that just um, didn't go our way either. Uh, you know, we shot 15 out of 30 from free throws and layups. You know, we missed some bunnies and missed some free points on our end. And obviously, uh, Indiana didn't make a single three-pointer. And, you know, a lot of people are, are, me included, I actually got in trouble. JR, you know, I'm a big Underwood guy. I hype up Underwood. I've been on the show talking about how I can't believe Underwood has not been conference coach of the year yet in his career. And all I made was a simple uh, tweet yesterday saying, you know what? Brad Underwood's had a bad week. My, even to this day, to right now, to this minute, if I refresh my mentions on Illini cast, someone's queuing up some sort of dialogue, calling me a hater or whatnot. So, you know, I don't know. It's a sensitive bunch. Um, Again, I'm not too worried. Indiana's not a good team, but they've got a couple NBA players on that team. So, you know, it's do we have issues? Absolutely. Um, the whole Shannon thing, you know, I'll let you guys talk about your opinion of the game, then we can kind of come back to it. But offense, I'm really not worried about. Defensively, I'm still not sure what Underwood do, is doing uh, the last couple of games, whether it's with Northwestern and not switching up the constant switching. Northwestern took advantage of that, and we didn't have a way to counteract that. Um, last Yesterday was a different idea. It's, uh, you know, obviously because they weren't hitting threes, um, you know, we were guarding the guys are playing one-on-one down low. Indiana was having their way with it. But what a lot of the national media don't realize is that's kind of our game plan. That is Underwood's, like he's talked about it. What we're going to do is we're going to be super efficient on offense. We're going to let your big guy get the ball down low. Not everyone's Zach Eady. Okay, Zach Eady can overcome this sort of defense, but we'll let you take a contested shot near the hoop. And if you were to miss, we're going to run like hell. We're going to transition. We're going to, uh, you know, try to get quick baskets on our end. Uh, He does the math, you know, Frank. You're all about this stuff. He'll trade the threes for the tough twos. And you know, Illinois to this day is one of the best uh, defensive teams to force you to take tough two-point shots. So a lot of people are complaining about you know all the big men that are having monster numbers against Illinois, uh, I want to say the last four or five games. But what uh, it's, it's by design. So, uh, yeah, that's where I'm coming from just for, uh, to preview. Yeah. I, for the record, I don't think you're a hater, Sonny. Um, <laughs> I promise you I'm not. <laughs> actually, I think you're one of the more optimistic people about Illinois basketball. So uh, mm-hmm. you're you're further from a hater than I think. Uh, Frank, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, you know, going right off of what you said there, Sonny, I, I think that, you know, Indiana hit some of the shots that Illinois was wanting them to take, and they just went in. And I think that Brad Underwood's a smart guy. Like he is going to live with that. He's going to be like, okay, so like Malik Renew got going really early in this game, and a lot of these were in these kind of like short roll. I'm going to take a you know semi contested shot in the middle of the paint. Like, all right, fine. If that shot goes in, like, cool. You you forced a bad shot. Um, you know, one thing I thought was that I, I, it's interesting. You know, Illinois won this game, but I was really interested in in the dynamic of, of Indiana here, especially without Khalil Ware and that. You know, we saw we saw a good game from Xavier Johnson. He did get another technical foul. I know the flagrants and technicals have been piling up for him lately. 
and he, I mean, he's, he's getting kind of a reputation, unfortunately, but yeah. Um, I mean, is, is this like a big question I had circled about this game was, is this the game that like he needed to get going to be a consistent contributor going forward? Um, but you know, ultimately that was the main, the main point Sonny I had was that, you know, Illinois was missing shots early on that they normally would make. Indiana was doing the opposite and things just kind of leveled out there at the end. Uh, but one thing, you know, you mentioned that Indiana didn't hit a two or I'm sorry, didn't hit a three in this entire game. Um, this morning I, I had to, I had to pull some numbers, pull some data over 3,600 games have been played this season. That's only happened 16 times this season where a team has not hit a three in a game. Um, and only two, um, D one schools. The other was Baylor fascinatingly. Wow. Um, Interesting. so I just had to know, like, especially in today's game, that seemed pretty rare. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think really another thing to point out too, uh, at least on paper, is IU going for 12 for two at the line or 12 for 22 at the line. Um, that's not going to win you games. So um, but I just feel like it was a, you know, a game of a lot of variance, just Illinois missing some early shots, Indiana making some early shots and things just kind of kind of leveling out there at the end as they should and how this game unfolded. Yeah, I want to touch on uh, kind of what Sonny was alluding to there for a minute. I think you kind of alluded to it a little bit there as well, Frank. But the the Terrence Shannon Jr. stuff. Um, we'll talk about Indiana here in a second. But um, so I I have conflicting thoughts on this because do I believe Illinois is better with Terrence Shannon Jr.? Yes. Do I think Illinois is better right now, like the past couple games with Terrence Shannon Jr.? I don't think they've played as well, uh, but I also think that's because Illinois' game did change a bit when Terrence Shannon, Shannon Jr. went out. I think it was less less about some of the the bad matchups that you can put on people, and more uh, about you know a, a non stagnant offense where guys are constantly moving and obviously uh, cutting and passes being made. Not to say that's not happening now, but it's just not happening at the same level. I think this is going to be a better team with Terrence Shannon Jr. on the court. But when you're asking mid season an entire team to take away a player change everything up and then put that player back in the lineup, change everything back to it. It's going to be clunky. It's going to be a little difficult to put in there. And then on top of that, Terrence Shannon Jr. is not playing his best games. Um, I know he had 12 points in this game, but two for six from uh, the, from the two point land, whatever. Uh, and then over four from behind the arc. That is not Terrence Shannon Jr. Every single night. Right. Mm. I mean, that's not going to keep happening. Uh, but what you are going to see is more of what he did in this game, which I thought was better was he got to the line more often. He went eight of 10 uh, from the free throw line. And that's what good experienced players like Terrence Shannon Jr. do is they say, look, I'm not getting the baskets to go in. So I'm going to go drive into the paint, get a foul. So that way that I can, you know, make make an impact from there. Frank, I'm curious what your thoughts are on if Illinois is worse uh, with Terrence Shannon Jr. on the court right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I love numbers. Uh, I think anyone who's listened to me on here before knows that. Um, and I'll be the first to point out the um, the the lack of, of uh, credibility with on-off numbers. But I, I have followed um, Illinois this season just with everything going on with Terrence Shannon Jr. off the court. But, you know, offensively, they have been better with him off, off the court. Not by a ton. The offensive rating goes from 115 to 121 when he's off the court but defensively they're 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 much worse um so overall they're actually a better team with him on the court but i think what we see is um the assist percentage goes up quite a bit when when he's not on the floor and that's because he's a guy who likes to create mismatches and he likes to 
to, to, to go ISO and, and that's his game and that's what he's good at doing. Um, but I think, you know, that what we see is we definitely see a different, a different product and that, you know, it, I, I forget what his season average is. I think it's what around 20 sunny. Is that correct? So far this season? Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, in, so the, the, you know, the notion that you remove Terrence Shannon Jr. from the equation and that's just like a net 20 point loss, you know, basketball doesn't work that way. So what we saw, we, you know, with him off the court, we saw guys like Damask really step up and then become like that, that almost the, the, the leading scorer. I mean, in that, that stretch there, you know, we saw guys like, like Rogers, you know, play really well, Luke Goody playing really well. I mean, as a team, I feel like Illinois was harder to defend uh, where, you know, before it was just, you know, having to lock down Terrence Shannon Jr. And that was, that, that was a good start defensively. At least this is a very talented team across the board, but I think that, you know, the, the anatomy of the team is very different that there are a lot more avenues when he's not on the court and he's a guy that understandably so wants to try to score. So uh, I think that my, my definite answer is that it's a very different team and the numbers, the numbers do back that up too. Do you think we're right, Sonny? What do you think? Uh, I mean, I guess the way you answer the question, you know, are, is the team not as good right now as it was two weeks ago? No, probably not. But does this team need Terrence Shannon to reach its ceiling? Absolutely. Uh, right now, you know, in the two weeks or three weeks that Shannon was gone, you know, the team learned to play a different, uh, complete, completely different style of play, running the offense through Damask. The other guys stepped up. Right now, it, it's, it's, I feel for the kid. You know, Terrence Shannon, obviously, he's gone through a lot over the past month. And he's got a lot on his mind. The guy is one for 14 from three-point land since he came back. This is a guy who, before, uh, you know, he got, you know, this incident happened. Uh, I'll I'll phrase it very um, carefully. Was, you know, you're talking about All-American, you know, first team, you know, finishing top three uh, player of the year. That was that player. The guy now, his legs aren't completely under him. He's thinking too much. What he was doing before uh, he left the team is he would, you know, he grabbed the rebound. He was the best transition player in the country. You give him the ball, he's just got an NBA body where he could put his head down, head straight to the rim, and either he was going to score or he was going to get free throws for you. Right now, that isn't quite there. And I I think it's just um, kind of like a mental sort of thing. Uh, I think, you know, Underwood's been very clear that the Big Ten – matters but you know winning he's won a big 10 title he's won the big 10 tournament title right now this season you know he's got a bunch of veterans on this team this team is about performing in march and he knows that in order to perform in march to make to sweet 16 and potentially beyond he's going to need a terrence shannon jr to be the you know the alpha type of player i think the i think the offense is going to continue and it has continue to run through Damask now. We found the guy. He's kind of like this like the Scotty Pippen of the Bulls. Sorry, you know, I'm from Chicago. I grew up watching the Bulls. Scotty was like the de facto point guard. Damask, you know, is kind of that de facto point guard who runs the entire offense. Terrence Shannon's the one guy who, again, you know, we're such a good rebounding team. We attack the boards. And then if you can get it to Shannon, he can attack the rim immediately. And as you talked about, get fouls on the other team. It's just a matter of his confidence coming back, his legs coming back. They've only had three practices since he's returned. So it's not like they've had a lot of, you know, since they've adjusted their uh, offensive philosophy, they haven't really had time to translate it to the court. So, I mean, it's not something I'm too worried about. I get 
the concern. But I mean, all you have to do is just look one year ago from today. You know, the national champions, UConn. UConn lost six out of eight games at the end of December uh, and January. You know, they went through a stretch where everyone else was writing them off. Right now is kind of the time to figure this out with Terrence. You know, yeah, we've been we're one and one in our last two games, but you know, Northwestern's a pretty good team, and we lost on the road. You know, a, a lot of teams are losing to Northwestern on the road this year. So, you know, and yeah, we didn't look that impressive against Indiana here at home, but it's a victory. And, you know, victories in the Big Ten, they got to count for something. So we'll see what happens, you know, Tuesday at Ohio State. I really want to see Terrence have his first, you know, just pre-incident Terrence Shannon game where he scores 25 points. He looks like the guy that he used to look like. And then I think, you know, then our team is in very good shape, uh, you know, for the rest of the year. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you spoke a lot of truth there. Uh, Chris is coming in agreeing. Whoops, there it is. Uh, Chris is coming in agreeing that uh, with me that Illinois is is better without TSJ than with him. And and like I said, for right now, uh, this could be different. And Joe kind of said that there. It's not all about Shannon. The team overall is out of sync, and, it, and it's right. Some of some of this is on Shannon and his efficiency, but also some of it is you know how the offense changes with him in there and and changing back to that, like we talked about. Uh, but you're exactly right, Sonny. I don't see this being a long term. Uh, you know, this is this is going to be an issue. You would rather have this happening right now in January than you would, you know, in March or at the end of February or something like that, because there's still time time to figure it out. Uh, let's let, let's hit on Indiana really fast before we get out of here uh, with with this one. Um, Indiana, no Kalel Ware. I heard somebody say that Indiana is better without Kalel Ware. I don't see that. <laughs> I don't see where the defense is without Salel Ware in there. Um, I don't think anybody on 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 India's team is is a highly skilled defender other than Kalel Ware. Malik Renu scores a lot of points, and Mackenzie Mbaka is coming into his game a little bit more. But I just I don't see the defense there without Kalel Ware. Xavier Johnson had a nicer game, but he still. Did that stupid thing where he threw the ball at Coleman Hawkins' face, which, you know, whatever. Tell Coleman Hawkins to get his hands up, I guess. I don't know. But um, but this this Indiana team just doesn't look great right now. And uh, not hitting any three-pointers is definitely not helping that. you have any thoughts on Indiana, Frank, before we uh, move on? Uh, just one thing to... To add to what you said, I mean, I had to I had to look up Khalil Ware's numbers on off, and they are substantially better when he plays. So, yeah, um, you know, quantifiably to a certain degree, uh, there there's very little merit to to that claim. That's uh, no, that's all, that's all I have to say on that one. Yeah, what do you think, Sonny? It, I, I'm not sure. Like, how do you not shoot a three pointer uh, in in an entire game? Like Indiana's. Well, they shot nine. They just didn't make. It. Yeah, but even nine, you know, in modern day college basketball, it's just not that many. So it's it's one of those where, you know, I had uh, Burke White from uh, the Often Daunted uh, pod, uh, podcast, also Big Banter podcast on our show. And he was telling me he was the most optimistic Indiana fan. And if you listen to that show, I, like you wanted to just shed a tear for the guy. And I, you know, like... They're they're in a rut right now, and you know there's nothing that I saw necessarily on uh, Saturday that I would be too optimistic about. Like just the roster balance on that team, 
um, doesn't make sense for, you know, uh, Mike Woodson, the guy who's now in his third year, like he should have the roster built a little bit better. Well, they they just don't have anybody to replace Trace. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Trace was so much more important to this team than people. Trace Jackson Davis, that mean, uh, was so much more important to this team than people. I think realize um, for Xavier Johnson to be as good as he is, for the center to be able to be as good as he is, um, and at the end of the day, without Trace, uh, they're looking for identity and they're looking for who they're going to be. So, kind of a sad state of affairs for IU, but I know our Purdue friends in the chat are not too sad for them, so they're they're a okay with it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next one. Here we go. We'll talk about our Purdue friends this time. Purdue 68, Rutgers 60. This game looked like it was uh, pretty well in hand. Things were going well for the Boilermakers. And then, uh, you know, Rutgers just kind of got back into the game. They made a really nice run and kind of put a little bit of fear, I think, into the Boilermakers. But, I mean, this is what... A, one of the best teams in the Big Ten will do. They they make the, they let the run happen, but they don't get too caught up in it, and they you know they they go against the run and basically just shut the team down and still win the game. Your thoughts, Frank? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was I was never comfortable. Uh, we uh, Purdue could have been up thirty, and I still wouldn't have been wouldn't have been okay with that. I uh, I've just I've had my heart broken too many times watching uh, games at the rack, but. Um, you know, I, I, you know, to start off, it, it's a pretty cool thing uh, for Purdue seniors to have won in every Big Ten stadium. Uh, and like going forward, I, I, I don't know how possible that'll be uh, to happen again. You know, with the Big Ten expanding, but that's that. That's just a really cool thing. It was cool to see Zach Heady get two thousand points, and then I sit and think, like, man, when, like when did he score two thousand points? I mean, that's just crazy. Um, but honestly, I, I thought Rutgers did a good job defending him. Um, you know, he did go nine for twelve and had twenty six points, but. There were a lot of shots that he didn't take and a lot of, uh, you know, questionable passes that, you know, were, were led to some pretty good rotations and, and whatnot. So there, there was a lot of things that didn't happen as a result of the defense. And, um, you know, yeah, he, he did have 26, but that's, you know, that uh, you kind of expect that to a certain degree. So shout out to Big Cliff uh, doing a really good job on there. But, you know, honestly, if you would have told me before the game that Purdue would have 21 percent turnover percentage in the game, I think it was 15 total turnovers. Uh, Rutgers would have 37% offensive rebounding percentage compared to Purdue's 22. Purdue would shoot 26% from three. I would have thought like, okay, that's a 10-point loss. Um, and really, Purdue just made up for it on the defensive end, I thought. You know, Lance Jones, he only had four points in the game, but he did have eight assists, 10 rebounds, and five steals. And it was the timeliness of the steals that I thought was pretty impressive, in my opinion. It was like every time Rutgers would start to go on a run, like, boom, there he was. Like, you know, he swipe the ball out of someone's hands. He'd jump a passing lane uh, a couple times. He got easy layups out of it. You know, it wasn't his best offensive game, but he did everything he needed to do uh, to win. And then, you know, just the, uh, uh, the performance offensively from Braden Smith, you know, he's kind of taken a distributor role lately, but he really picked up the scoring in this game. It was really nice to see, but it was really the first game of the season where I could, I could visually see the press giving Purdue some problems and that like, yeah, we we did have a couple turnovers against the press, but they'd get it across half court and then they'd be limited on time. And that really seemed to give Purdue problems offensively. And they were trying to run these long, drawn-out sets, and they were trying to do so with 18, 19 seconds left on the clock. But um, just just a grinder of a game, uh, not one that I ever felt comfortable. I, mean, like I said we could have been up 30, and I still would have been frightened. But happy to see Purdue get the win. Happy to see the seniors finally get that that notch in their belt they've been looking to get their entire career and um, just uh, on to the next one. Yeah. I mean, uh, Rutgers is always going to be a tough 
defensive team for anybody to face just because of their length. I mean, their shortest guy is Simpson at what, 6'3", 6'2", or something like that. And every other guy is like, you know, 6'6", six, six or, or bigger. Uh, there might be Williams. I don't know if he's 6'6". Six, six. He might be 6'5". But anyway, uh, I mean, they're, they're just a super long team, and they're going to give teams fits. So um, I would say if Rutgers is making you struggle against the press, that's not like the worst thing in the world. Like that's kind of Rutgers game right now is, you know, really hard defense and get teams to struggle be- just because of their length more than anything else and their effort as well. Uh, Sonny, your thoughts on the game? I, you know, you just kind of saw the best of Purdue. You know, Purdue is the best team uh, in, in the conference, you know, arguably in the country. And yeah, Rutgers did, you know, get it a little close, but, you know, the rack is just a hard place to play. And, you know, Purdue knows it and Illinois knows it too. You know, we kind of broke our own streak uh, of losing there for a few years in a row uh, earlier this year with, uh, I think it was an 18, 20 point win. It's just a hard place to play. I still think their coach is one of the better coaches. Um, in the conference, as you talked about, you know, one of the top 10, 15 defenses uh, in the country, you know, it's Purdue's just one of those teams where, you know, I'm glad Frank mentioned it, you know, they seemed a little confused for a little bit uh, once you did the, once they started instituting a press. From what I've seen of Purdue, it's Purdue's a team that they game plan, you know, Matt Painter's, you know, one of the best coaches in the country. They know what you're going to do and they're going to stop it. But if you try something different on them, sometimes it takes them a while to adjust and to figure things out. And that's kind of what we saw a glimpse of uh, in the Illinois game in the second half. And also you've got a glimpse of it with Rutgers. So any team who's trying to take on Purdue, they know what you do best. What you do best doesn't matter because Purdue is better than you. So they're going to stop it. But if you can find a wrinkle for 40 minutes, then you know you might be able to uh, find a way to win. Well, and everybody's going to go in deep on the press against Purdue because guess what? That's the only part of the court that Zach Eady doesn't touch the ball on. And Zach Eady is going to beat every single team he faces. I mean, there is not a team in the country who, you know, unless the refs are just horrible that game, that is going to stop Zach Eady. Um, and so if you can get you know, pressure on the ball. Braden Smith is much improved this year, but he's still not perfect. If you can get some kind of pressure on the ball uh, before the ball gets down the court to get to Zach Eady, I mean, that has to be the game plan. I don't think anybody wants to go and, you know, in a matchup, you know, at the half court with Braden Smith and Zach Eady and pick and roll together. Because guess what? You, you, you step an inch toward Braden Smith and it's going to be a lob over your head. Zach Eady gets position and he's just going to bully you down low and, and, and he's going to hit a hook shot or something else. I mean, he's just, the man is unstoppable and you have to try and do something to beat Purdue when Zach Eady's not a factor because as soon as Zach Eady's a factor, you've already lost. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, so, so yeah. Um, uh, one, one thing, Sonny, uh, one thing, Sonny, I would like to, to add in, uh, is that I, I, I do agree in that like Purdue, like once they settle into a rhythm, if you can disrupt that rhythm, uh, it definitely has given them problems this season. And I think which is one thing to like caveat that with is that Matt Painter's talked about, like you can watch teams on film defensively and get a feel for what they do, but you never know how they're going to defend Zach. That like a lot of teams are forced to post trap when they miss necessarily aren't a post trapping team. So like oftentimes like watching film defensively can be a, a little confusing because you don't actually know what's going to happen when they get into the game because you can't simulate a seven foot four guy in practice if you don't have one. They're they're not just like out there roaming around. 
Um, so that's why uh, sometimes Purdue's a little slow to settle into a game, and once they but once they hit a rhythm, they're usually good. So long as teams don't, you know, switch things up. Maryland uh, did a did a decent job of switching up defensively, but Purdue was just able to to capitalize on it. And I think there's a little bit of a difference uh, athletically between uh, Rutgers and Maryland right now, but um, we'll get to Maryland. Yeah, we'll get to them soon. Uh, Sada, you got any more thoughts before we move on from this one? No, not really. Purdue's a very good basketball team. And uh, just for the record, I don't get along with the many Purdue fans, but me and the Boiler Express guys, we're good. All of you. I see you guys in the comments. We're, we're all good. I was going to say, uh, before we move on, if you guys ever are feeling down about yourself, just get on a live stream and have Dylan commenting. <laughs> Hyping up Frank, of course, but Sonny also looking handsome. Thank you, sir. Great head of hair on that guy. I'm jealous. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Dylan, nice guy, Dylan there. Um Let's see. Moving on to Michigan State and Wisconsin. Wisconsin wins this one 81 to 66. Uh, Friday night, it was not a good situation in the Cole Center. Uh, the other day on the podcast, we kept calling it the Cole Center. It is the Cole Center uh, for Wisconsin. And uh, Wisconsin just kind of had their way in this one. Izzo kind of looked out of sorts. I don't know what in the world he's thinking playing two bigs. Uh, Tom Izzo, the strength of your team is not the front court. So. You know, maybe don't play two of them at one time. Uh, Xavier Booker looked good. Uh, Kohler looked good on offense. But, you know, this this is still a team searching for some front court identity while Wisconsin is just literally firing on all cylinders right now. Uh, you have any type of weakness in your game, and it seems like Wisconsin can exploit that in some way, shape, or form. And uh, AJ Store is starting his campaign to be the backup player of the of the. Uh, conference behind Zach Eady. So, I mean, that's the race right now, right? It's not who's the player of the conference. Zach Eady is going to be it, but who's going to be behind him? And AJ Storrs make it a good, uh, a good run for that because he's just playing at a really high level right now. Frank, I'm curious your thoughts on the Wisconsin Michigan state game. I mean, uh, it's hard to talk about this game and not just immediately go to AJ store, man. Just what a, what a performance, 28 points, 68% true shooting, scoring at all three levels. Six for nine from two, three from eight from three, not the best numbers from three, but seven for eight at the line. I mean, uh, but honestly, on, on paper, this game came down to rebounding, in my opinion. Um, you know, Michigan State only rebounded 58% of Wisconsin's missed shots. That's not great. That's not going to win you games. You want to see that number around 75% or higher. Uh, but I think it's it's been an adjustment for me this season and that, you know, this isn't your run-of-the-mill typical Wisconsin team, you know, where you've got two big set an elevator screen for one shooter and something like that. I mean, they, they are... They're getting out in transition. They're attacking guys off the dribble. I mean, this is a fun team. And in a, in, a, in a previous life, we did weekly uh, power rankings, and, and another member of the podcast and I did did shows. And people thought we were crazy earlier in the season when we put Wisconsin at number two early in the season. But there's uh, I'm, who's laughing now, right? <laughs> I just think that you know Wisconsin had their way in this game. Uh, they had a 133 offensive rating against the Michigan State team that going into the game was a top 20 Ken Palm defense team. I mean, they are. They are good, but they got out to an early lead. You know, Michigan State kept it close there for a little while, and they just they just stretched it out and never looked back. And I, I think you know, I'm I'm I I I think I'm going. I'm not being too crazy here when I say that Michigan State is probably a bubble team. I mean, if not on airing on the side of maybe not making the tournament right now. I mean, and they they've just got some personnel issues to figure out. I mean, they, like I said, they're playing multiple bigs. Uh, Tom Izzo's under a lot of heat right now. You know, the, it's it's. Last time I was on, you asked if it was panic time for Michigan State, and at the time I said no, but it, it's it's past panic time at this point. 
Um, but it was just it was just a, a fun game. It was fun to watch Wisconsin just kind of have their way. I honestly didn't expect it. I thought Michigan State would make some adjustments having already played them once, but um it's just it just didn't go that way, unfortunately, for them. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State's in a, in a position right now where they really, uh, I mean, Net still likes them, Ken Palm still likes them, so they obviously have that. I feel like if they are a bubble team, the committee's just going to go ahead and put them in because it's it's Tom Izzo, it's the, you know, what the record of, of tournaments made and all that stuff. So they're going to get the benefit of the doubt if they're right there, but they have to be right there. And if they keep losing at these point differentials, then they're not going to be there before the show started we talked about the importance of point differentials or you know what we think is the importance of point differentials in some of these ratings um and this is not you know 81 to 66 it's not the worst loss in the world we're going to talk about a team who lost by a lot more later on (laughs) uh but you know still it's it's not going to help michigan state if they are losing all of these big games i mean quad one games two and seven give them credit they're playing a lot of quad one games but look at it wisconsin has played the same number and they're six and three so i mean you can say oh well we've played a lot of hard games but there's a lot of teams out there who have actually won their hard games and uh, michigan state hasn't so sunny your thoughts on wisconsin and michigan state you know, it, it's two teams that are that just play on a completely opposite like wavelength. Michigan State, you never really know which Michigan State's going to show up. You know, they started off the season struggling. Then they went on a run where you kind of thought things may be turning around for them. And then they were completely overmatched in that game against Wisconsin. Um, in my opinion, Wisconsin's got the second highest floor in the Big Ten. They know what they do. They play typical Wisconsin ball. And I had uh, Rajiv uh, from Bucky Report, who I know is a guest here f- uh, frequently. Um, he talked about how, you know, Wisconsin's still Wisconsin. What they've always lacked is the an athlete. And that's what A.J. Storr has con- essentially brought in. Now, Illini fans uh, who are watching this, they're familiar with Storr because he was a one-time Illini commit. You know, as you mentioned, he's he's just gotten better every single year. He's a guy I paid attention to in St. John's just because uh, – of his uh, initial uh, commitment to Illinois, he's he's just a he's a fantastic player who is just raising the ceiling of what Wisconsin Badger you kind of perceive it to be. I mean, you know, normally it was just a bunch of good fundamental guys, and you know the team itself would uh, outperform pieces. You know, the the hole was uh, larger than the pieces. Uh, this year, the pieces are pretty dang good too. Sorry, I was muted there. Uh, yeah, no, the the pieces are great, and I think one of the biggest pieces of it, is, or the biggest piece of it that is kind of changing the uh, the Wisconsin basketball is Tyler Wall. I mean, he's not playing that you know secondary big role like Frank was talking about, where he you know is only that secondary big. He he's playing the role in a different way, and John Blackwell has been a tremendous piece to this team as well. This freshman, John Blackwell, I don't think Wisconsin is the team they are if they don't have John Blackwell, because this was supposed to be a similar, not the same kind, but a similar player to who Connor Asijin was supposed to be. And Connor's just not been that guy this season. But John Blackwell, the freshman, true freshman, has stepped in and able to fill a role um, as kind of the sixth man. Uh, I don't have the minutes numbers in front of me, but to me, he's their sixth man making that kind of impact for this team. So um, AJ Storr, like you said, he's an athletic piece that they needed, and it it's crazy how one player can seem to change the entire team just by 
them adding them. And the nicest part about Wisconsin, it doesn't have to be AJ Store. It can be Max Klesman. Max Klesman had a run earlier in the season. It can be Steven Crowell. I mean, it can be all of these guys. And Chucky Hepburn is just the consistent point guard that you need on the defensive end and on the offensive end to make these kind of things happen. So, um, Frank, looks like Wisconsin's going to give you guys a run for your money, possibly, in the Big Ten. I wouldn't have predicted that. I thought Wisconsin would be a good team. But at the end of the day, I mean, how concerned are you that Wisconsin could win the Big Ten? I mean, I think it's uh, it's very likely. I think, you know, from this point forward, scheduling favors Purdue just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, not by a lot, but just, just, just a little bit more. And that, you know, the, these two teams have yet to meet, assuming that the big 10 race is, is Purdue and Wisconsin, which right now it's a fairly safe assumption to say that that's, that's probably the case, but, um, yeah, they, they've, they've yet to meet, they've yet to play. Um, I think that'll determine a lot, you know, this first, this next game between Purdue and Wisconsin, but I, I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, on a scale of one to 10 in terms of 10 is like, I, I think Wisconsin is going to win it and, and zero means I Purdue's definitely got it. I would put it at probably a six right now. Um, like I said, they're scheduling, scheduling TBD, but that's, uh, that, that's the main factor that I think Purdue has going for them. It's just a little bit more favorable schedule. One of Purdue wins both of their games because they, they play Wisconsin twice and one of them is the last game of the season. So, uh, that very well could decide it. What are your thoughts, Sonny? You know, that last week is interesting because our Illinois third last game of the season is, uh, at Wisconsin. Then they play at home senior night against Purdue. And then the last game of the season is against Iowa. So, I mean, if things are close, everything could come down to that final week in the Big Ten, which should be pretty exciting. No, also, also, real quick, uh, any Illini fans uh, watching this, make sure you clip the last minute and a half of this episode of them talking about it being a Purdue and Wisconsin race. We'll st- we'll see what happens, buddy. Yeah, please. I love I love being proven wrong. So yes, please do. Please, I I, I welcome it. Yeah. I was going to mention at the end here, don't count Illinois out. Okay. So uh, there's definitely a possibility there. Um, But, but at the end of the day, you know, you got what eight and one Wisconsin, eight and two Purdue in the conference and Illinois at six and three. So they're right there, but they definitely need a a little bit to turn in their favor. But uh, if you told me Illinois is going to win out, or maybe just win or lose one or two more games in the conference. I could see it happening. So Illinois is going to be right there as well. It's going to be a fun race to see until the end. All right, let's move on. Oh, before we do that, do want to remind you CB analytics uh, does give me a free pro tier to tell you about them. So please go check out CBB analytics. They have all kinds of resources, free resources, paid resources, all kinds of things like that. Uh, I know stat tank Frank over here, loves CBB analytics as well. They give, they give you guys a pro tier or I don't know. Yeah. Pro tier as well. So uh, yeah, very cool stuff over at CBB analytics makes you a better, a better basketball fan to be able to study that stuff. So go check them out. All right. Let's talk about Maryland taking down Nebraska. Uh, this was Nebraska on the road. So uh, I would like to see power rankings where Nebraska at home uh, is there. And then Nebraska on the road is <laughs> in there as well. Cause it's just two completely different teams. Still credit to Maryland. Maryland played very well. It wasn't just the Jameer young show on offense. Julian Reese was doing a lot on offense as well. Dante Scott, uh, was filling in and, and, uh, making some, some large contributions as well. So, and this is, I mean, this is what you want out of a Maryland team for it, not just to be all Jameer young, on offense. Um, and, and when you have that happen, you have some pretty, pretty special things happen because the defense is there 
for Maryland this season. They're able to make things happen and they're able to, uh, to be more than just this offensive team. And, uh, Maryland just, they, they happen to be one of the better defensive teams in the big 10. Sonny, what were your thoughts on Maryland's win over Nebraska? You know, a lot of people forget Maryland was, I think they finished third in the preseason, uh, big 10, uh, you know, order that they, the, the media day, they finished third, you know, th- that's a talented team out there. Obviously they stumbled coming out of the block, but you can kind of see them rounding into shape. You can see like all the quality players that they have. Julian Reese is an absolute stud. You know, Illinois saw that, um, you know, point blank. And, and Nebraska is just kind of Nebraska. It's, they're, it's almost like a, f- a fun story to watch, you know, because on one hand, you know, they're the up and comer, like, you know, Fred Hoiberg getting these guys, will they, will they not make the NCAA tournament? And at home, they look like world beaters. And then just on the road, you know, you have no idea who they could lose to and by how many points. So, I mean, really, it's these are two good teams who I think, I don't know, you guys might have the stats uh, in front of me more, like whether Maryland can actually continue making this turnaround to become one of the teams in the Big Ten that can make a bid. But if they play to what their ceiling, the perception was at the beginning uh, in preseason, I I think they're a really good team. Yeah, I think that the problems are some of their early losses in the season, uh, quad three losses, I believe, uh, that makes that really hard for them to overcome. I definitely think they can overcome it. They still have a chance to make the tournament, um, but they're going to have to play some really good basketball down the stretch in order to do that and not just win games at home, but also win some pretty tough games on the road as well. Frank, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, I think we have seen a turnaround from Maryland in this last month. Um, it's been it, it's been pretty uh, pretty interesting to watch. I mean, in this game in, in particular, I, I think that you know Nebraska's first scoring play. Um, you know, they say they have um, they run a Chicago action for K State Tomanaga, and he just gets a gets a wide open shot off of it, and Maryland's or yeah, Maryland's chasing it. I'm like, okay, here we go. Like, it's just going to be another one of these games where. You know, they're just going to have their way offensively there. And that's not how the rest of the game went. I mean, they did get out to their early lead, you know, five minutes in it's 12 to Nebraska and then Maryland. I mean, they, offensively, we saw in a performance. I don't think we've seen anything you know close to matching that, you know, Kaiser, Jamie Kaiser Jr. Like what, like four for five from three in the game. And and honestly, like three of those were, were bad shots. He was 22 percent on the season coming into the game. But you know, I think like a lot of these games we talked about tonight, it was more of just Nebraska having an off night. They turned the ball over quite a bit. Uh, 27% turnover percentage. Their season average is 14. Uh, they only had three offensive rebounds in the game as well. Um, so if you're turning the ball over and you're not getting up shots, it's it's hard to win games. Um, you know, but really the big thing is, you know, just offensively, Nebraska went away. 83 offensive rating. You know, you see them around the 115 mark on the season. Uh, you know, Tominaga wasn't hitting shots. It, it, it's just going to be a hard, hard, uh, hard path on the road from here on out. And JR, I know you've asked the question, you know, will they, will they win a road game? Um, uh, I know you don't want to hear this, but I think Ohio state's kind of the only, uh, the only opportunity left for them. Um, but the, uh, the, really the, the scoring distribution for Maryland, I mean, you have Reese with 15, Kaiser with 14, Jameer Young with 12, Jahari Long with 11, Harris Smith with nine, Dante Scott with nine. I mean, it's, it, who, who do you, who do you guard? Who do you pick up there? So it's, uh, not only that 25 points off their bench too, when they only average 12 on the season, like that's just, that's, that, that, that's just a tough thing to overcome if you're in Nebraska, but uh, I'm not concerned. I still think they have a good chance to get into the big dance. Um, I think they've got, you know, just a really talented team 
a really diverse team in terms of where they how they look to score. And uh, I think that the, that they'll bounce right back because uh, Sonny said at home they look like they can beat anybody. Yeah, if uh, the season plays out the way I, I think it will, they'll uh, they'll get their only road win. Well, not their only road win, but their only road win in the conference at Ohio State, and uh, and then lose to Michigan <laughs> at Michigan. <laughs> so that'll be that'll be fun. But uh, no, yeah, I, I think I think Nebraska definitely uh, just a completely different team on the road playing against uh, you know I- any type of good competition and that's really really hard for them to overcome and and give credit to those nebraska fans i mean they are rabid in the arena i don't know how many games you guys have watched in lincoln or anything like that but i i there are some games that i watch where i'm like i need to go to that arena uh the illinois northwestern game was one that made me like i need to go to a northwestern game at some point uh and almost every single game i watch nebraska i'm like i have to go out to that arena at some point when illinois is doing well because those fans are rabid uh and it just looks like looks like a great great environment sonny do you have some thoughts I mean, the Huskers, it, it, it seems like it doesn't matter what sport they're playing. You know, uh, in Lincoln, they're just rabid about their university. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. Um, <clears throat> all right. I don't really have any more thoughts here. So unless you guys do, we can we can move on uh, to the next part. Uh, we do have a question here from Jeffrey. I think this is for me and you. He's an Illinois fan, Frank. So I want to know what Frank and JR think separately. What are Illinois' biggest flaws and what would they do differently if they were coaching Illinois against their teams? Um, I'll take this first and then you can go, Frank. Um, I think that one of Illinois' biggest flaws right now is just reintegrating Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, I think that it's really, really hard when you're switching as much on defense as they are uh, for Coleman Hawkins to make uh, the, you know, the defensive presence down low that he needs to make because not really anybody else has the size that he does. And let's just be honest here. Danger Danger is a, he does not make a difference on defense. He's a good offensive player, but he is, he is not a defensive difference maker. Uh, And so really Coleman Hawkins is that guy. And I saw somebody in the chat earlier say something like, you know, if Coleman Hawkins is defensive player of the year, why do all of his matchups, you know, have good stat games? And it's like, okay, I see what you're saying, but also you have to understand how Illinois plays defense. There's a lot of switching uh, and they almost always switch. And so it's not uncommon to find Coleman Hawkins on a point guard. And he really doesn't do a bad job when he's on that point guard. So uh, no, I think the biggest issue right now is just reintegrating Terrence Shannon Jr. into the offense, making sure he's efficient um, and trying to get Domask that role as kind of the ball handler distributor uh, because I think he is better at that than maybe we thought at least I thought at the beginning of the season Frank what do you think yeah I mean I think um, I, I it's it's not so much a flaw it's just uh, something that could potentially trip them up I think is just the way they seek to to generate a lot of offense and that's through creating mismatches through creating mismatches on switches and then looking to attack those and and they do have the athletes to do that Um you know they have they have really five guys who, to use the overused phrase, have that dog in them, right? You know we, we've seen it from Gary, you know we've seen it from Terrence Shannon Jr. He he he's uh, he's elite. You know Coleman Hawkins can can put the team on his back. You know Damas did in in the absence of Shannon. Uh, I just wonder, you know, come postseason um, with a team like like let's say Houston, who just looks like they can defend anyone one on one. You know how 
how the offense can adjust. I'm not saying it won't. I'm just, I, I'd just be curious to see, do you start running some, some stagger screens, for example, to get guys open threes and, and you kind of get away from this ISO centric, you know, spot up centric style offense, um, which, uh, you know, I, it's, you know, kudos to them for being able to do it. That's just, I'm not, I'm not even saying it's a flaw. It's just a question I would, I would have. And I'm sure, I'm sure Underwood's got some, some tricks up his sleeve. If that, if that does come. Yeah. And I think Underwood is going to, out coach a lot of a lot of coaches out there uh they're obviously very good coaches in the big 10 but there's a lot of <laughs> there are some coaches in the big 10 he just eats their lunch every time i think he faces them so all right uh thanks for the question jeffrey appreciate that let's move on to the next one uh, i don't really want to talk about this game it's okay but also at the same time i am getting a little bit of enjoyment by just talking about how bad my team is because maybe they'll stop being bad i don't know i'm going through some emotions but i know this isn't the ohio state show so you know let's make sure we talk about northwestern as well frank uh ohio State has not won a single road game since New Year's Day of last year, and it was against Northwestern, and Northwestern uh, just uh, completely destroyed Ohio State in this one. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we talked about Nebraska at home versus on the road being kind of two different teams, and I think we're kind of seeing that with Northwestern, too. I mean, they... They definitely have have a baseline offense, and then they they've just they've just exploded a few times this season. Once against Purdue, uh, they they did a pretty good job against Illinois. They're pretty good job against Michigan State, um, and then here against Ohio State. And you know, as we talked about before we before we went live, I, I watching this game kind of uh, in, in the peripheral as it was on, I just felt like Northwestern was just having their way. They were, you know Ohio State wasn't executing, and you know I went back and watched the condensed version today, and it just it just felt like. Ohio State had some good shots that didn't go in. Northwestern had some good and also some questionable shots that just happened to go in. But you know, when 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 Boo Booey gets going, man, like he he just needs a little bit of a just a little bit of a warm up, and he's gone. Like he he is such a, he, you know, top three guard in the conference, in my opinion, just in terms of isolation and being able to get a bucket when you need one. Um, but yeah, I, I just I'm not. I know a lot of Ohio State uh, fans, at least from what I saw on Twitter last night, were ready to ready ready to hop off the Holtman train, ready to ready to kick him to the curb. And I'm I'm not saying it's it's not there, but I'm not saying it's there. Uh, it's at, at that point, but you know, I think uh, you know, 25 of Ohio State's 58 points came from the line, and just you know, overall, you you just can't have a whole bunch of guys have really inefficient nights. You know, Thornton goes three for nine from the floor. Battle goes one for six. You don't see that from him typically. Now, if he makes, you know, three, two more of those, that doesn't really change the outcome of the game. But you couple that with the guys around him just having inefficient nights and, you know, things are going to go well. Ultimately, Ohio State was 34% from the floor. Northwestern is 57% from the floor. I mean, that's just a recipe for a, for a blowout loss. Northwestern has six guys in double figures, too, um, which is just a hard thing to overcome. But uh, I'm... Like I said, I'm not I'm not ready to give up on Ohio State yet. I know a lot of Ohio State fans uh, seem to be there. If uh, what I saw on Twitter is representative of the fan base as a whole, but I'm still feeling good. Ohio State's got a really talented team, in my opinion. They have a pretty good coach, and I just think that uh, they just caught Northwestern on a on a bad night for Ohio State. Yeah, uh, and, and the problem is, is that like. If this was one performance where Ohio State was shooting bad, I would say, you know, no harm, no foul. You, not everybody has their nights. Move on from there. But ever since IU, it's been bad shooting performances. Um, and that's something that you have to eventually fix. 
if you're the coach. Um, and I, I, I've said my opinion here on Chris Holtman so many times, and I'll, and I'll say it again if there is anybody who hasn't heard it. I think Chris Holtman is a fantastic human being. I think he is a high-character individual, and I'm proud to have him as the coach of my basketball team when the basketball team is doing well. It's unfortunate, but the team does not look confident. The team quit at one point during that game, and for me, that's really, really difficult to watch. Uh, and so, yes, last night I was in my emotions a little bit <laughs> going through it. Uh, but I mean, I think any of us could say if you watched your team literally just give up at some point, you'd be frustrated too. Uh, and I'm not so much frustrated at those players because I get it, uh, but it's just frustrating to see. Not saying I, I dislike the players. It's just frustrating to see. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't know how Chris Holtman fixes it. And unfortunately, based off what he said after the game, I don't think he knows how to fix it either. Uh, and that's something where it's like almost for like Ohio State's sake, but because I love Chris Holtman so much for his sake as well, I almost want him to leave just so that way his stock is high enough that he can get another head coaching job someplace else because I do think he's a good coach. I just don't think it's working right now. Uh, and I think that, unfortunately, unless he makes it to the Final Four this year, I think Ohio State fans are just out on him for good. Uh, and like I said, that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. So, uh, yeah, Sonny, your thoughts on the game? You know, we also have to keep in mind that, you know, Ohio State has a very, you know, big and energetic fan base. And there was a lot of negative in, uh, energy, a lot of angry folks after Michigan won that n- national title. Now the football team has had the off season of the ages, you know, right. grabbing every stud there is. So that negative energy has to go somewhere. And poor Chris Holtman, he's getting the brunt of it right now. But n- not that I disagree with uh, anything you're saying. Um, like you said, the team just looks very confused discombobulated like I agree I think Holtman's a good coach but even sometimes good coaches just don't do a good coaching job and this just might be an instance where it's kind of best for both parties to just kind of have a clean slate start you know try something fresh uh, in uh, you know two different environments but you know I also want to give credit to Northwestern you know I know they're a rival of ours but Northwestern, you know, I mean, look at the panel. Like, they've beaten both of our teams, uh, all three of our teams, uh, essentially at home now. Uh, You know, Boo Booey, you know, I agree with you when you say, you know, he arguably a top three guard in the conference. But I genuinely think, I don't know if there's a player I would rather have at the end of a game than Boo Booey. And I kind of mentioned that in the Northwestern preview as well. I was like, we need to create some distance between Illinois and Northwestern because if – Bubui and Northwestern is, uh, you know, within a couple baskets of you, he can take control of the game. No matter who you have on the floor, he could, he has a capability of being the best player on the court at that time. Illinois saw it a couple days ago. Uh, Ohio State didn't really have to see it. Uh, There was a little bit more cushion on Northwestern side there. But, you know, again, you just got to give credit to Northwestern. They're going to be a, you know, a a tournament team this year. And they're just a very hard team to play uh, at their arena. Yeah, and I and that's the part I don't want it to get lost in because almost every time we do an Ohio State recap, it turns into John, you know Jr's emotional time, uh, and that's fine. I I'll I'll put my emotions on the stream. I don't really care. You know, call me emotional. I don't care. I I like my team. Sue me. Uh, but I do think we also need to talk 
about Northwestern, like you guys pointed out. This is a very good team at home, and Boo Booey is probably the second or third best player in this conference. Uh, there's there's a couple other guys that are vying for that second spot as well, but I think Boo Booey is at least second or third here. Um, and I was kind of down on Boo Booey earlier in the year because I said he just wasn't consistent enough in some areas, but uh, he, boy, he's been consistent lately and he's looked, he's looked really, really good doing it. So, um, and, and, and some of it too, also, you know, as I watch Northwestern more, I realize this, some of it too is not always Boo Booey. Um, and I'm not trying to disparage the team, but sometimes it's the teammates around him as well that are not performing to give him some of the numbers that you would like to see to make him look better. So uh, it's unfortunate, but you know, it is what it is. We have a few comments here, so I'm going to roll through these 49ers one good game. Yes. I saw that. Um, I know everybody likes the lion story, but I don't like anything up North. So I'm good with that. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey said what Frank hit on was the biggest concern. And I think he's dead on, but thanks for answering fellas. Just want an outside perspective. You're welcome. That's what this whole podcast is about. Outside perspective of all kinds of big 10 teams. Fisherman. Good evening. Uh, Holtman bio is 14 million though. Yes. Fisherman. You were the one in the comments last time talking with us about Holtman. Uh, yeah, uh, that'll be money. Uh, doesn't matter with the YFC. We've learned that this off season. <laughs> your, say, your offers are full. And if you, have been following Ohio State as closely as I have. Uh, the Texas A&M AD is the one coming in to replace Gene Smith, and he just fired who was it, Jimbo Fisher, for what, like seventy million? So he looks at fourteen million. He's like, ah, chump change. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey again. Actually, you both right. Jr. Hey, thanks. Hit on the defensive concerns. I also share. Yes, uh, and Russ being Mister Perspective for me here. I appreciate that. Good news for Ohio State is at least three of the four new teams next year will likely slide right into the Big Ten basement, which raises Ohio State's floor. Yes, thank you. That's what I need. I need to keep adding worst teams to the conference to make my team seem a little bit better, but we'll just remain stagnant there. <laughs> I'm not. Probably- JR, can I ask one question about this game? Uh, so uh, Ohio State shot 33 free throws. Northwestern shot 17. And I feel like Purdue fans all season have just been hearing about these conspiracy theories, right? Every time there's a big gap in the number of free throws team shoot, it's a referee and conspiracy theories. It's guys getting away with fouls and stuff. So I just think that I'm asking, where's the where's the Ohio State conspiracy theory? Because we should at least be consistent, you know? Any, anytime one team doubles up the other in free throw attempts, I mean... There's got to be something wrong systematically, I, I think. So uh, I'll be waiting. I'll be waiting for that one. No, what happened was Ohio State's had some leftover NIL money, and they actually paid the refs to try <laughs> and help them win the game. And uh, unfortunately, even when you pay the refs, you can still lose by 25. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so there's your answer, Frank. Uh, all right, I don't think we have any more thoughts here uh oh uh, so does buzz williams is so does that mean buzz williams is coming oh i i hope not i don't really want buzz williams but at this point i'd take anybody i guess am i crazy for wanting sean miller is that crazy guy. i think i think there are some better guys there there's some better coaches you could get he wouldn't be a bad pick but i think they're like you should go for like jerome tang maybe Maybe Jerome um, Tang would jump shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you use you have that Big Ten money coming in. You know, it's just uh, who's the guy at Arizona now? Tommy, Tommy Lloyd. Lloyd. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, as Rush just said in the comments, Dusty, D- Dusty would be a good one, honestly. And he, I mean, I feel like and I, he's IU bound. He's he's getting he's getting a lot of money right now, but uh, money's no obstacle for Ohio State. That'd be that'd be a really good one. You know, yeah. not that Sean Miller is a bad one, but I think that he's maybe like a third or fourth option if he, you know, Ohio State has their way. I got into an not argument. That I wouldn't point. even I wouldn't even call it an argument. A disagreement with somebody on on Twitter X, whatever you call it, uh, about Eric Musselman. Do you guys feel like Eric Musselman would lead Arkansas for Ohio State? I mean, the SEC is really not. I mean, you it, it's really top heavy every, every year. Um, I think there's a chance if the price was right. I do. He's kind of a weirdo, though. He's kind of a weirdo. I, I don't know. And see, we got some comments coming in, backing me up on Jerome Tang. There we go. But uh, go. yeah, I, I I wouldn't want Muscleman coaching if I were if I were if, like for my school personally. He's just kind of a weird guy. Well, I I'll just tell you, if we could get Ryan Day calling out the media after his games, the eighty year old media after his games, and then Eric Muscleman taking off his shirt after Ohio State game, I am all for that. That's going to be post game pandemania uh, over at Ohio State. If you have those. <laughs> <laughs> one one more name I'll add is uh and the, and this is actually semi feasible is Chris Beard too. He's having yeah. a really good season too. Um so go get Shaka. He likes playing Big Ten teams already in the comments. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That that'd be another good get. I didn't follow much with Chris Beard after the whole situation at Texas. Was he like charged for that or what? Uh no, no, he wasn't. Um he wasn't, but he was he was um dismissed as the coach and he's at Ole Miss and uh, I think he's at Ole Miss and he's doing doing pretty well down there. So Okay. Um I, I just think Ole that Miss. I think that's a better Ohio State's definitely a better destination between the two, but um I'm not sure if they're still ranked. He's had them ranked though this season and you know he had a lot of good transfers. So he's a you know, he's another guy that upset Purdue uh back in twenty fifteen with Little Rock and Purdue kind of springboarded his uh his career. Just like we kind of did with Tobin Anderson, so you get Tobin Anderson too. That's another great, yeah, from uh, from Iona now. Yeah, if, if there's anybody that can uh, just come in and uh, face off with Purdue a little bit, and give me Frank some some rivalry banter. That'd be nice. So, <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next one. We talked a lot about Ohio State. Uh, Minnesota beats Penn State in this one, eighty three to seventy four. I thought Penn State was going to win this game. Penn State was at home, but uh, Minnesota fought and uh, they they had some. Uh, some good contributions. Cam Christie had a good game in this one, uh, and he was able to to help the Golden Gophers get this win here. I don't. I think the Golden Gophers are having a nice season. I don't really think there's an avenue for them to get to the tournament. Uh, I mean, obviously, if they like went out or something, that could that could happen. But uh, just not enough hard games. Um, Penn State. Uh, it's still kind of finding themselves. They have their good games. They have their bad games. Uh, they lost to Ohio State. So, you know, after we just talked about Ohio State, that kind of leads <laughs> to where they are there. But, uh, Frank, did you have any thoughts on this game or just thoughts about these two teams overall? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I guess just the two teams overall. I mean, the the future for Penn State looks really good. I mean, Clary's playing out of his mind. He's still young. You know, he's still got a few more years left. And that's that's scary for the rest of the Big Ten. Um, and you know, we're, we're in this era right now. Um, I don't know if it's the COVID year, uh, you know, finally, you know, popping up. I don't know if it's the transfer portal, but it seems like we're in this era where freshmen are making the most minimal impact that I can ever remember. Um, and you, you can look across the big 10, you can think about some teams that were supposed to have some huge freshmen that were supposed to come in and be big impact players. Indiana comes to mind. Michigan state comes to mind. Uh, I mean, even, even Purdue, honestly, um, 
and and we really haven't seen them materialize but cam christie is like has become one of the like guys you have to stop for minnesota and i respect that i respect that in this era where freshmen aren't really having as big of an impact as what we've seen in the past i mean he him and dawson garcia took over the second half of this game and like i understand that like mike mike mitchell was involved in some scoring too but like cam christie's ability to spread out and stretch that defense he did only go one for five from three but finished you know with 19 he hit clutch free throws at the end of the game to ice it you know he's he 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 also scares me as just another young guard in in this conference and you know we've we we've seen what his brother did and is currently doing um you know in, in the nba so i'm 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 really really excited for the future of uh of this Minnesota team, as well as this Penn state team. Um, feels like Dawson Garcia has been in college for like 10 years. I'm not really sure how he still has a couple of years of eligibility left, but you know, the big story of this game was obviously Penn state blowing the 16 point lead. Um, I think it was a 15 0 run that spanned the end of the first half and in the beginning of the second half. And then just Minnesota clawed right back in and, and uh, never looked back. Um, yeah, that's uh that's, that's really the the main thoughts I had on this game. Really entertaining game. I thought Penn State would get another win. I'm I'm always cheering for the underdogs in these type of games, but um, you know, it was, uh, this is a really good Minnesota team, and I think uh, another tournament team we have here in the conference. I do need to point out one stat line, and I'm not trying to disparage this player, uh, but he did destroy Ohio State, so I wish he played like this against Ohio State. Um, Leo O'Boyle, you would know him if you've watched this Penn State team. Who he is uh, in 16 minutes, zero points. One shot, it was a three-pointer. He did not make it. Uh, one offensive rebound, one defensive rebound, and he fouled out. <laughs> Very petty there. He iced that game against Ohio State, too. Last time I was on, we talked about that. And the, the uh, O'Boyle rules, I think, was the uh, the joke that was made. But, yeah, the other gentleman that was on is like, who is Leo O'Boyle? I've never even heard of that him before. But yeah, he uh, he did not have a great game, for sure. He He's kind of – he's been like a sine wave this season. He's been up and down. Yeah. He's like their five man when they go small ball, which now I, 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 I think Leo Boyle uh, is fun to watch. Uh, I have nothing against them. It was just a crazy stat line that I saw and I wanted to reference because not too many times you see something like that happen. Uh, Sonny, what were your thoughts on either the game or just the two teams individually? You know, I just, I guess my overall, th- overall thought is I hope Ben Johnson uh, really gets a chance to really build a roster of his players. I I really think he's an up and coming one of the top up and coming coaches uh, in the conference. He he's you can tell he's a younger guy. You know he'll kind of throw something that's not traditional out on the court because he knows he doesn't have the players to compete with uh, the other team night in and night night out. So they're they're a team that you know I'd like to pay attention to just because I like Ben. I think he's a good coach, and uh, you know. He, if he lives up to, if he can get his guys in, I think he'll be moving on to a better job at some point. Oh, and the hard part with Ben Johnson in Minnesota is they're they're not like a transfer destination, right? You know, Wisconsin no. brought back a lot of this good talent, uh, so a guy like AJ Store going there made sense. Uh, there, there's a number of other guys that you know they can get somebody uh, because it makes more sense. What what's Russ saying here? I saw Russ comment, and then Frank laugh. So Ben Johnson to Ohio State here <laughs> first. You know, it was I, his previous comment that made me laugh. <laughs> oh, his previous Indiana thought and Paco is a Mexican pizza. He's been more of a cheesy roll. <laughs> and I see what you're doing with the uh with the legal situation there, Taco Bell. Oh, Russ. Um yeah, no, but I, I, I think uh, that uh, Minnesota, Elijah Hawkins fouling out in this game, that's you know, that's 
hard for them, but you know, the guy still had five assists in this one. I don't think Elijah Hop- Ho- Hopkins uh, Hawkins gets talked about enough for how well of a distributor he is and just how well the team is playing around him uh, on that end to, to help him be who he is. I mean, the guy leads the nation, at least last time I checked, led the nation in assists per game, which is, you know, outstanding that number one it's from a big 10 player and number two it's from minnesota uh so just really really cool to see him him doing that um but but you guys are both right uh these are two teams that are just kind of on the rise and we'll see we'll see where they go from here but i think both of these teams have found their coach at least for the next few years uh and going from there so any other thoughts on these guys before we move on uh he does lead the country still 7.7 assists per game i didn't realize that that's really impressive yeah uh, and Braden Smith is, I think there's five players that average more than seven assists per game. And him and Braden Smith are the only two in the Big Ten. I think that's what I saw. If Braden Smith still does, he's, he had two assists last game. But I think he should still be. Should have for no him. reason in particular. It would have been great if he you know, had a few more assists today for just, just because. Had nothing to do with you know me or any you know, financial gain I had to standing. You know, it, just, it, just, it would have been great if he had a few more assists today. He only had two. You know. His prop was six and a half, wasn't it? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. And he had he had he had hit it five in a row. So yeah, I thought about betting on that one. I ultimately decided no, I don't think so. So Lance Jones took them all. Lance Jones got all the assists today. He did. He did. Uh, all right, Iowa eighty-eight, Michigan seventy-eight. Uh, I posted some hot takes today on uh, Twitter, and um, I wish I would have waited to post those because I had a really hot take that I want to get you guys' thoughts on before we get to the game. Uh, my hot take is that Jawan Howard will still be the coach of Michigan next year, and will actually be Phil Martelli that is the fall man who will get uh, fired, and Jawan Howard will stay the coach. Sonny, your thoughts? I pray that you're right. Yeah. Brad Underwood seven and zero against Jawan Howard. Um, you know, I you could be right because all the Michigan people I talk to all say that he's coming back next year. You know, it's the national guys who always who kind of say that he's gone. You know, just based on how the season has gone. So, but I mean, it's a hot take, but I think it's a take that's pretty common uh, in the Wolverine community. That's what I've been hearing from some Michigan people too. Is that like the Michigan, at least the Michigan administration, like they don't view as poorly of Juwan Howard as the fan base or others seem to. Frank, what do you think? I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like it's a definite possibility. Um, you know, the entire situation is really just confusing. Um, last time I was on the show was right when the you know Juwan might be getting fired tonight. Like whole thing broke. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, the 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 fight, but I I uh, I'm Sonny. I'm in your camp, and that I I hope so. In that he's you know he's gotten really talented players, but he he's kind of underperformed, honestly, in my opinion. Um, he runs a really fun offense, though. Like they they really can manufacture some really good shots in some creative ways. They they've been running some like five out delay that's pretty fun uh, to watch. So I I do enjoy it from that perspective as, as someone who's really big into X's and O's, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know. I know the entire situation is extremely confusing though. And, um, I'll, it's going to be a roller coaster ride this off season with respect to what happens in Michigan for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. And, and I mean, that's what Juwan Howard is known for getting in good talent, but you know, just not really being able to produce that talent to the expectations. And I'm not saying like, you know, he finishes middle of the pack and, and, you know, in the big 10, he's, he's, last in the big 10 
right now. I don't know if he is by conference. No, Rutgers is last by conference record, but but he has the worst record in the Big Ten uh, overall right now. So, uh, Sonny, Iowa beats Michigan 88-78. to This was uh, a good game for Iowa. Michigan was at home, and uh, Juwan Howard did not have the Fab Five with him, so uh, they did not beat uh, Iowa like they did Ohio State. Sorry, I keep going back to them. I'm in pain right now. It's okay. Let me live. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game, Sonny? You know, I, I'm pretty sure Michigan was up at half because I remember checking, uh, scrolling through the scoreboard and, you know, you kind of like, oh, are they kind of sort of figuring things out? And then I kind of checked back in on the game an hour, 15 minutes later, and it's a 10 point loss to an Iowa team that's just, you know, kind of OK. Um, You know, I, I want to say that I feel bad for him, but I don't. You know, it's just a team where you have one really good basketball player. And others, or you have another, I forgot the, was it Terrence William? Um, is that the name? Yeah, there's Maybe. a few arguable, uh, and Kamwa uh, is good. Terrence Williams, mm-hmm. he's he's pretty good. And I do like Doug Terrence. Daniel. Yeah, Doug, of course, is, yeah, Doug, yeah. you know, again, the suspension thing makes no sense to me, but that's Michigan for you. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a team that's, you know, we just talked about earlier about teams, Ohio State being, you know, discombobulated. I have no idea what's going on in Michigan down there, up there right now. You know, I don't know who's coaching every game. Uh, Jawan Howard just seems to want to take days off or something like that. It's, uh, I don't know, it, 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 it's, it's a, every year they seem to be taking a step down. And uh, I'm very interested and I have vested interest to see uh, what happens um the remainder of the season, whether he can up his record a little bit, because right now, I mean, if they figure that they end up with three, four wins in conference, how do you bring him back? I don't know. That's the same thing I'm asking. Uh, my, my other question I'm asking is how is Juwan, uh, Jalen Llewellyn okay with what is going on with Doug McDaniel right now? Because he plays nearly 30 minutes in road games, but then they come back home and it's like Juwan Howard just looks at him and he's like, you can go set the bench now. Doug back, <laughs> you know, study hall is not in session. So I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's, up. that's so weird. I mean, he Llewellyn's played well too. Exactly. He's played well in the absence of McDaniel. And so like a, a division one coaching staff can't figure out a way to get both those guys on the court together or manufacture offense through both of them. I like, I, I, in so looking Especially into this, Burnett is not, I mean, he's not anything special, right? No, no, he's not. I'm not saying he's. He's bad. a good he's player. Special. He he's a good player, but yeah, he's not. He he's a he's a, a typical run of the mill Big Ten player. I mean, he's not. He's he he's not in that upper echelon, let's say. Right. But you know, I did I did I did some looking into like how much does Doug McDaniel change the the dynamic of this team um, when he's off the court? Uh, their net rating is seven point six. When he's on the court, it's forty one point nine. So effective field goal percentage goes up 10% when Doug Medano's on the sh- on the court. True shooting goes up 10%. Turnovers decrease. Assist to turnover ratio increases. So they must see something like something because that that that's a drastic change in, in in you know net rating to go from seven to 42 with him you know on and off the court is is crazy. But I you know I, I, I'm I'm going back to the Purdue Michigan game. Llewellyn played really well. I mean, he had, I think he had over 15 points and was, was pretty efficient from three. And he was kind of the one guy that was, was giving Purdue trouble and what would have been an otherwise pretty easy win. But um, yeah, it's just, you know, and my wife and I were watching a Michigan game and she was asking questions. She's doing a good job of trying to like learn some of the personnel. And she's like, so, so what's the story with Michigan? I'm like, well, you know, well, they're their best player. He, 
you can only play in home games. And she's like, why? And I'm like, I, it's, it's some academic thing. She's like, it sounds like he's on house arrest. And I'm like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you said it. You know, it's like, it's just I, there's a whole lot of like confusion. And she's like, I remember their coach. He punched the the other coach from Wisconsin. I'm like, yeah, that happened. And and then she's like, what's going on with him? Like, well, he just decides sometimes he doesn't want to coach. I'm not really sure. Like, it's just the weirdest season, you know, for the for this Michigan team. I, I don't fully understand it. But, you know, in, with regards to this particular game, I mean, uh, you know, it was back and forth until the very end when Iowa finally pulled away. But Tony Perkins has been on fire lately, 20 plus points in three straight games now. I mean, Peyton Sanford had a really, really good game. And like every time. Michigan started cutting it close and or making it a game or would pull ahead. Like he would hit that three to just like even things out. It's like, okay, like the run stops now or like your, your ability to come back in this game, like ends right now. It was just the timeliness of every three he hit, um, you know, six for eight. It's just a really, really efficient game from him. Um, this is a game, honestly, I just, I really had a difficult time getting into from like an emotional standpoint. It was just kind of boring, even though it was a high scoring game. It just wasn't, uh, wasn't a, a really entertaining game. And I don't mean, any, I mean, no disrespect to either of these teams or their fans or anything like that. It just struggled to capture my attention. No, I can see that. Um, and just for reference really fast, um, Jalen Llewellyn on the road, he uh, averages 25 minutes per game. At home, he averages three minutes per game. So I I don't know. Uh, a power <laughs> Big Ten Division One coach should be able to figure out how to uh, – you know, distribute those minutes a little bit better. Uh, but back to your point, yes, uh, Tony Perkins was excellent in this game, and Peyton Sanford, uh, I mean, this is what you need from him if Iowa is going to compete at the level they want to compete at uh, in the top half of the Big Ten. Uh, now, I do think Iowa probably is the top half of the Big Ten team, uh, talent-wise, and uh, with who they should be, uh, but I don't think they always play like it every single week, uh, but they did go into Michigan and, and get the win there. And so you have to give them credit there uh, with what they did. I really like Owen Freeman. I think Owen Freeman is the next star with this Iowa team. That's what I kind of talked about with them was like, I didn't know who that star score was going to be. Cause you had the Murray brothers, you had Luca um, Gar- Garza. It was Garza, right? Not Garcia. I keep wanting to say Garcia, but it's Garza. Um, he he was you know big time scorer before them and it's like who is that next guy gonna be and Peyton Sanford has been that at times this year but not always and that's kind of what you get with a shooter right you're not gonna get that as often uh, but I feel like Owen Freeman can be that guy uh, next in in the coming years he's probably not gonna be it this year he's still just a freshman but in the coming years I feel like he can be that guy Sonny is it crazy to think that Owen Freeman could turn into a uh, big time scorer for Iowa someday. Anyone can turn into a big time scorer for Iowa. I mean, that's they're they're a program that you know loves to run and love to score. And you know, Fran, he's he's got that offense, uh, the offensive side down pat. So it's not it's not you know a stretch at all. Yeah. What do you think, Frank? Yeah, definitely. And I, that's something I had circled on this game too. Was was Owen Freeman uh, and. Another guy, you know, who doesn't play a ton of minutes, but his numbers are off the chart when he does has been uh, Brock Harding. And I think the two of them this uh, in the future, I mean, Brock Harding, if you look at his, you know, assist numbers are, I mean, I think like 35% assist percentage, which is crazy. Like it's crazy as a true freshman. Again, it's a guy who doesn't play a ton of minutes, but yeah, Owen Freeman, like I, it's, 
you watch him play, it's easy to forget that he's a freshman as well. But I think those two guys with, you know, Freeman's down low post-up ability, his defense has been really, really good. I think those two are the future for this Iowa team. Yeah, and I think the future of this Iowa team looks bright. They're playing three freshmen regularly and Freeman, uh, Harding, and I forget how to say the one guy's last name, Dembele. Um and so, yeah, if they can continue on with that. Uh, and really, the only guys they're losing are Perkins and Creaky. And I haven't even checked if they have eligibility past the... Um, I'll have to check that afterward if they have uh, COVID eligibility left remaining. But yeah, So they're not they're not losing any of the, the brothers? Is that right? Uh, no, McCaffrey is a senior. I mean, I just I feel like it's been like 10 straight years they've had brothers <laughs> on their team. It's crazy. They're going That's back the to the Murray brothers and yeah. If McCaffrey is gone after the season, does Fran retire? I don't think so. Yeah. I think he enjoys it. Yeah, he's having he's fun. Yeah, he likes he like he he likes getting thrown out of games. And yeah, I love Fran. Yeah, I know a lot no. of people don't like him, but I think a lot of Iowa fans take him for granted. You know, I mean, every you know every couple of years he has them contending for the Big Ten, and even years where they're not that great. They're still fun to watch. And, you know, he's a coach I wouldn't mind having um, as a leader of my program. Well, and he just, he's like the most winningest coach in Iowa history, right? Um, I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. So, and one thing about France right. teams, you can never count them out of games. Like, they, you think yeah. like, like they're down, they're down 15, they're down 20, and they, they can easily come back and win. So, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, JR. Just no, you're good. I was just, I was going to end it there and ask if anybody has any thoughts. So, appreciate you. Uh, filling that in there so uh all right uh that's all i have for the big 10 this week thank you everybody for watching uh we are going to be doing a football show on tuesday it's going to be an all nebraska show because i got the nebraska podcast with big banter coming on and i have uh justin with me one more uh tuesday for football um and then after that we'll have another basketball show on wednesday did you want to say something sunny yeah uh joe i told the uh few Illini fans to tune into this episode just because I wanted to let them know that after every game I've been getting a lot of mentions and a lot of feedback um, about this idea and I've been kind of hesitant to do it but I'm going to go ahead and do it for Tuesday night's game um, at the conclusion of the game I'm going to come on with the live recap and I'll be taking in phone calls so if you're one of those Illini fans you know you, I know you guys are a very passionate base my uh, mentions see it you know every, every time I refresh it um, feel free to give us a call, uh, you know, air out your grievances. We'll see, you know, Ohio state's a team we should win, but they got a really good guard. And so, you know, I'm not taking it for granted. It's very hard to win on the big 10, uh, road. Very nice of you to give some, some credit to the Buckeyes. I appreciate that, Sonny. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there and definitely go, uh, if you're an Illinois fan, go check out Sonny, uh, over at the Illini cast his call-in show and, uh, air your grievances or sing your praises, whatever, uh, whatever it's warranted after the game, I suppose. So Frank, you guys got anything coming up with the Boiler Express you want to hit on before we get out of here? Yeah, uh, we've uh, we, we've, uh, all been hit with the, uh, the Boulder that is life lately. So we've been a little, uh, little, uh, um, not not in our normal uh, uh, cadence, we'll say, but uh, we're picking that back up this week. And uh, Dylan's doing a really cool thing with the uh, some members of the Purdue hockey team on Wednesday. Um, so that'll be a really really cool episode. I wish I was able to join for that. Unfortunately, I have a another obligation, but um, yeah, it's going to be a really cool one. I can't wait to wait to go back and listen to that one after the fact. 
Very cool. Yeah, if you're a Purdue hockey fan, go check it out. So thank you everybody for watching and thank you to Sonny and Frank for coming on. We appreciate it. Join us Tuesday night for football or if you're more of a basketball fan, join us Wednesday night for our next basketball episode. We appreciate it. Have a good night, everybody.